Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flops Podcast. I'm Angelique Gay. I'm a mom and a writer. I recently went through a major life transition. So each week I invite other creatives and change makers on to the show to talk about their own transitions or a time in their life when they felt completely untethered and lost, which is, as it turns out, actually completely normal and can even be life-affirming. Today, I'm absolutely tickled pink to be talking to award-winning journalist and one of my favorite people, the author of For the Love of Men, Montreal's very own Liz Plank. And we are joined by female entrepreneurs Linda Guy and Alice Uziskin, two very cool women who co-created the jewelry line Litzy. Liz, Linda, and Alice have collaborated on an amazing new line of emblematic happy unisex jewelry to celebrate that Liz's critically acclaimed book is now available not only on paperback, but also in French. I cannot wait for you to hear this chat. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hello. Hi. This is so exciting. As soon as I saw you posting about this collaboration, I was just so excited. I love all this female-led creativity, and it's such an important message. So thank you all so much for being here. I just want to start with going through how everybody is and, and like the real version, you know, <laughs> not like the sparkly version. And I'm, I, I think just I'll start off by saying, Liz, I listened to your hard homework podcast and I was really blown away by how honest you were and how open. And, and I think it's such a great place to start. And I only listened to it last week. I didn't listen when it first came out. I wasn't ready. Yeah. And, uh, You're yeah. A, a full-time mom dealing with, yeah. you know, well, that, in a that pandemic. Was... Any moms who lived through this pandemic to do anything. You should not expect <laughs> anything more out of them because they've already, yeah, held us all through this moment. And, and I'm, I'm in awe of you and all the work that you've been doing, you know, while still being, yeah, a mother in a global pandemic. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So how are you, Liz? I, how am I? I am fine. You know, um, it's been an interesting year and (laughs) to say the least, but it's really, you know, hard homework was sort of the beginning of what what was a podcast I made at the beginning of this pandemic out of just, sometimes you just kind of have to create things that you need and the things that you ask yourself, what, like, what do you, what do you need right now is usually what the rest of the world, you know, or some people in the rest of the world might also need. For me, it was kindness and compassion and support, especially mental health support. I know that it's been, life is already hard. Uh, And then, yeah, you throw in a truly something as that's so out of our control, like, like this virus and you, yeah, you're, you're sort of left with all of the pieces that you might have been running away from all this time are, are now just like staring at you um, and waiting for you to deal with them. So I'm, I'm good. There's been a lot of clarity for me in the darkness. And I, I, I never expected that because I always thought if you go deep and you go into your darkness, you know, it's scary and it's overwhelming. But once you get past that, the next stage is actually light. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay now. <laughs> I'm okay now. 
That's good. So you're in the light. I'm in the light. It'll probably get dark again, but now I know. <laughs> now I, I know I know the drill. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing. What about you, Linda? I am good overall. I mean, like Liz said, I'm kind of ups and downs and in the last year shit hit the fan and we have a son who is almost 7 and you know, the things got hard and, but we went back to basics. The time we're spending with him is incredible. You know, I've been very honest with myself about the fact that I'm not going to be a teacher anytime soon. I am not built to to teach my child homeschooling. So mm. we've had to get creative in how we, um, we've managed everything and kind of digging deep with our business. And Alice and I, we haven't sat down at a, at a table and had a, had a meeting, had a conversation face-to-face for well inside in a long time and we've had to shift we've had to adjust and pivot and manage our expectations and I think overall we're doing pretty good because I mean all of this brought us closer to Liz and closer to projects that are more important to us rather than just the surface level so Mm. digging deep and connecting to what's important which is the best thing silver lining really and you Alice uh I'm fine (laughs) um (laughs) I think you know (laughs) I'm fine. Um, I could give a slightly longer answer. I I think, you know, I think life is tough, honestly. Um, I think there's a lot of a a lot of things that are complicated. And in some way, this last year has highlighted them. But in other ways, it's been, you know, not not so different in terms in that, you know, we are all dealing with our things. And I think this year has brought on slightly different challenges. It's not taken any away. (laughs) That's for sure. But, you know, it's also been an interesting time where it has been quite reflective, I think. I think it's made me have to focus a little bit more on what's really important for me uh, as an individual, for me as a mother, for me as a a businesswoman, a partner with Ninda. And I think that's been interesting to try and reckon with a little bit. So it's ongoing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'll just throw in that, like everyone says, it's really a roller coaster. I have days in a row where I'm fine. And then I have days in a row where I'm not fine. And I started this podcast because I wanted to talk about all of it because I'm an extrovert. (laughs) And I was also really looking for connection. And I was also looking to maybe get some insight from other people in terms of how they're dealing with it, and then share that with people. So my next question for everyone in no particular order, I can pick if you need me to, (laughs) I just don't want anyone to feel singled out. What tools are you using to get through the difficult moments? Um, I'll jump in just quickly. I'm learning to communicate a little bit more. So I've just been writing a lot. And I'm very quiet when it comes to my emotions and, and telling people what I feel. I never want to rock the boat. I want to be liked. I, I, I just want everything to be fine. And I've started to really to reflect a lot more and to write. And I've just been kind of spewing my guts out in on, on paper and pulling conclusions forward and kind of, I, I mean, just writing stuff out and kind of going back the next day to review it and be like, man, that was a tough day. And just allowing myself to feel that day and then let it go. And that's been really helpful. Yeah, I just, I feel like I need to just jump in and like give everyone a pat on the back, (laughs) if that means anything. Like bravo to us for getting through to this moment. And good for you, Linda, for spewing your guts out. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Well, and then just one more quick thing that I found really helpful. I found these cards online. They're called Inner Compass Cards and I am not sponsored by them, but they're Mm -hmm. really great. And they're like these very mindful 
cards. It gives you an image and um, a word for that day and it, it guides you and it has this little reading. And I thought they were a bit hokey at first, but then I just really got into them and it kind of pushes you and makes you think kind of outside of yourself. And I don't know, I just found that it's it's an interesting little tool. Mm. So that's Can you helpful. give an example of what they say? Well, yesterday I did one and it was called nature. And then the little paragraph that came along with it was getting back to nature and getting outside and going back to my roots and talking about how flowers are seeds in darkness and they come out and they, they're not comparing themselves to the flower next door. They're just <laughs> beautifully strong on their own. And they're just, and then reminding us that we're part of nature. So, hmm. you know, get out there, be yourself and be strong and be your beautiful self. <laughs> as cheesy as that sounds, but that's essentially what it was. <laughs> Let's embrace the cheesy and the quirky and all of it because we need whatever we can get our hands on right now yeah so that, that sounds amazing ready yeah to go next? I want to uh, jump off of that because it mine is so cheesy and it but it's like leaning into the cheese is is a big <laughs> is a big one for me like recently I was thinking about how you know there's like trash tv right that you watch and, and by trash I just mean like something that you're not necessarily like proud of that's not like necessarily like <laughs> working your brain cells but it's it's soothing right like and for some people it's watching bravo for me it's re-watching episodes of schitt's creek that i've seen literally five six seven times i'll just re-watch the same and for me it's calming and i'm like while i'm doing it i'm like i know i should be watching this new documentary about octopuses or whatever <laughs> but i'm gonna i'm I saw that okay, one. I haven't. I feel really I saw bad. that one. Be careful. It's very emotional. So okay. don't watch it on a vulnerable day. I'm going to get there. But then the other day, I was like on a run. And physical exercise for me has been a huge... And again, it doesn't mean like pushing your body and getting ripped or whatever. But just moving your body. Even going for walks, right? Like, think. I feel like we never went for walks. Like our generation. It's like a thing that like old people did. And now I feel like we go for walks and we understand like the benefits of it. So I was on this little run and I like my shuffle was on and I was listening to these like cool new songs. And then all of a sudden, like this flow rider song came on. That's like very bad. Like, it's just like, I'm gonna Like, it's all about going to the club and like, you know, spending your last money like on shots. And it's so not happening right now. But I started running to it and I was like, oh, I need to listen to trash music in the way that like, I need like a trash playlist in the way that I have like a yeah. trash TV thing. I need like music also like these sort of guilty pleasures that we allow ourselves visually there should also be like audio versions of that about just like music that's like okay this is like if anyone knew I was listening to Flow Rider right now like it would be very embarrassing thank god I have earphones uh but I was like oh there should be visual and audio and and maybe tactile like I don't know just like thinking about expanding the senses and how like <laughs> we can do things that we might feel embarrassing but actually feel good I don't know if that makes any sense That's, but it made sense it does. yes well we put so much pressure on ourselves to like <laughs> for me anyway I'm like I gotta take advantage of yes take advantage in quote take advantage of a pandemic and right. like I got to listen to podcasts. I have, yeah. like, I have so many, like I downloaded audiobooks. Mm. I've like ordered books. I've got everything. And I'm like, I need to, yeah. like I've signed up masterclass. Like I've done all the totally. things and I'm like <laughs> overwhelmed with what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And then I'm just like, you know what? Yeah. Shit's Creek sounds great. Yeah. I've got like, I've got a friend who's doing, who's making playlists, like their old mix CDs Aww. and it's the best. And so we just like crank the music and yeah, it, we definitely need music in our lives, especially the, the cheesy ones. Yeah. There's so many bad playlists that I listen to. Oh. I 
I, yeah, I'm not even going to say what I listen to. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's like, worse even. than Flo Rider. I, I just, it's not on brand for me in any kind of way, but I'm putting it out there. It's okay. It's <laughs> amazing. I think one of the best nights of the pandemic of the last year was probably uh, just on the cheesy music theme was with my daughter. We decided to do like a kitchen disco, we called it. And we put on like a really loud music in the kitchen and just and dance for about oh wow hours. that's amazing <laughs> till, yeah I think I think it was till like midnight or something we were just dancing and dancing and just one song then we put up we took it in turns to choose the next song Ooh. and I played her like old 90s <laughs> dance music and you know like some some hip-hop that she didn't know and we could do it at midnight because Aww. there was a school the next day so it's like there are certain you know liberties that you can take which is quite nice so to sort of realize all right if we don't have school tomorrow morning then to go to bed at the same time so let's enjoy it and just have mm. a bit of freedom and and that's that kind of yeah. thing is definitely fun to do yeah i definitely relate we've done yeah. the dance party we did it on new year's eve we were pulling out the rhythm as a dancer <laughs> we were pulling out <laughs> the abba <laughs> So yeah, maybe we should tell the Litzy story and then how you all got to know each other and decided to do your collaboration. So do you want to start off with your story, Linda and Alice? Sure. Alice, do you want to jump in? Or uh, talk sure. <laughs> it was a good one. Uh, <laughs> certainly in my life, it came at a very good time. I met Linda and Justin, her husband, at a party where I didn't really know anyone else and was a little bit edging towards the door, I think, on the way out. <laughs> feeling a bit uncomfortable and I saw this couple and I was like okay if I'm going to talk to anyone (laughs) so I did talk to them and we chatted for the rest of the evening and I kind of stuck to them (laughs) and we got on really well it came at a good time in my life I had been recently divorced and so was not feeling at my best and a a little bit wobbly and, and maybe just kind of trying to figure out my place a bit especially in Montreal since I'm not from Montreal so now I met them and just got on incredibly well like I hadn't had that kind of relationship with anyone at it almost since school probably where you have that ease of making friends and it was so it was really fun to just sort of hang out with them a little bit for a while and it incredibly quickly Linda and I were talking creatively and we talked about an idea for jewelry and decided that we'd make it yeah it grew organically it kind of created the, these initial pieces and we're layering things and and we're, we looked at our roles as mothers but we weren't only mothers so we didn't want to create like mom jewelry and like just be stuck in a box for that and we were much more fashionable than the average mom obviously (laughs) Um, of course of course so then yeah it built out and then we had our first major collection was our king's collection and it was built off the line women can be kings we heard it in a rap song this british rapper and she said women can be kings and we were like yes of course they can so we built this whole collection about women and being empowered and our messaging throughout all of our collections has kind of come back to feminism how we are raising our sons and our daughters and what we want to see that's missing in the market all the while that we're working from my kitchen table and we're doing it all ourselves so everything is produced in Montreal everything's designed in Montreal and we are just doing everything ourselves from the website to customer service it's me and Alice so it's been great and that was five years ago I think now that's wild so how did you and Alice and Liz decide to collaborate we did the collection with Miss Me and it was 
again, based in, in feminism and our roles as women, and but also outside of what the gender norms are. And it's just for everybody. And the line out of that was fuck your judgment. And that was Miss Mead's main tagline in her artwork there. So it built out from there. And then all the while, I've been a fan of Liz's for years and years and years. And we've been following her career and watching her videos and seeing how hilarious she is. And but all the while, like having key messages and important messages that, you know, align with our values. And yeah, and we connected on Instagram. Like, Where right. all great things happen. We, we, uh, We're all great relationships yeah. <laughs> <again>. <laughs> the gram yeah we connected and i know that liz i think you were a fan of miss me as well yeah. and yes and, yeah. and and i we have to give credit to emmanuel Lergur, yes, who's, who's my manager in quebec and canada and she and i actually started working together randomly during the pandemic when I was literally not allowed to come to Canada, <laughs> like it was, oh. the borders were shut down. Uh, but we were like making plans about what we would collaborate on. And she brought you up, you know, as one of the first things. And I was just completely smitten and just completely obsessed with the mission of your brand and also just the brand itself. It's gorgeous. And everything that you make is you're your true artists, you know, and but there's a real yeah. purpose behind it. And so it was like an immediate yes. Emmanuel for the win, who's not here, but she's yeah, an amazing connector. She's, she saw it. She's yeah, just the best. She saw the collaboration <laughs> in the stars and connected. <laughs> connected us. So tell us about the pieces, round one, the first collection that you've put together. Yeah, so we have two rounds that we're putting out. We wanted to, well, knowing that Liz's book was first coming out in paperback in the States in February, we worked really quickly to try to get some pieces for that but also the main goal was to have something that would come out at the same time as Liz's book in French and we worked really hard to to think about something that was bilingual we're all in Montreal and Quebec and so that was really important to us and we worked with a lot of words and a lot of text in our jewelry so it just made sense to dive into Liz's work and dive into her book and her mission and pull out things that would identify the mission and Let Boys Cry was obviously such a great line obviously rang true to me and it says a lot about a lot like there's so much to unpack in that one line and it, it was a no-brainer to take that line and, and see where we could push it incorporate the litzy vibe with our litzy script and just see where it went and so we have a necklace and a ring and I'm obsessed mm. with them and speaking saying. of where <laughs> it went the ring has already made it to Sean Mendez's finger yeah, um, yeah we're very wow. fortunate wow um, yeah and it's really interesting to see the men really love the ring it's a unisex collection you know it's, it's jewelry that everyone can wear but it's interesting to see like the reluctance like some men will have with a necklace where they're like oh that's not for me and I'm like yeah you can wear this but the, the <laughs> ring is really interesting how a lot of I think because it's very chunky and it says boys and it is like this really beautiful it's it's androgynous but it, it does have like this masculine energy like men love the ring so it's uh and it, and it just came out in gold which I'm so excited about yeah because we got so many requests <laughs> So yeah, it's so exciting. And Linda and Alice did such a wonderful job. <laughs> you said that Let Boys Cry came to you before you started yes. the so book. So a few months before my book came out, the March for Our Lives in the US, which was this really big gun safety movement. I love protests. Uh, gotta <laughs> put it out there. 
I love signs. I love like that whole experience. And so I was trying to come up with a sign that me and my ex-boyfriend could, you know, use for the protest. And I, yeah, I, I just kind of wrote, let boys cry, not by gun. This idea of if we let boys cry, like, why are we selling guns to literally kids? Which, which by the way, kids are allowed to use guns in the United States. And 85% of the overall deaths of children with guns happen in the US like globally it is so disturbing wow. how many children die from gun violence in the United States and and i just thought we are so worried when a little boy plays with a toy doll right we do you know we do not market dolls to boys and i for the book interviewed so many men who told me that dolls were taken away from them, right? Because there's something so fundamentally disturbing, right? Or worrying about a boy, you know, being around something that could cry, right? Or like that that could reflect their own emotions in themselves. And yet we so easily give toy guns to boys, right? And we think that that's normal. We think the boy, <laughs> the boy playing with something that cries is not normal. And the boy playing with something that kills is and so that's how that first came about for me and I've separated it from the gun violence conversation in, in the way that obviously it relates to gun violence in the United States but let boys cry in itself without anything without a mass shooting happening without huge uh, societal change like that to me is just where you begin right on the individual level at, at the family and it, you know with our interpersonal relationships and in the way that we raise boys. And there's something about like, let them cry, right? Like, like, like <laughs> I'm not, cause so many people were like mad, uh, which it blows my mind that that would be a controversial statement. But at the beginning when I would, I created a, a t-shirt collection around it and I did a lingua franca uh, collaboration as well. And yeah, a lot of guys, particularly men, but also women were sad and were like, you know, why do we want to make, and I was like, I'm not making boys cry. Like, I'm not like, it's not like make them cry. Like you don't have to, it's just, you can. So, so that to me is, it, it has a certain, like, it's not an attack, right? It, it's, it's not a command. It's, it's not an order. It's just a, an invitation. Yeah. Mm. What about for you? Um, when I first saw the Let Boys Cry slogan, I, I saw Liz's work with, around it from the beginning. And, and again, it hit me differently as someone who's raising a young boy. Mm. And with our work with Litzy, we always talked about it's important to, yeah, girls can do anything and girls can be anything. But then we also need to broaden the conversation to include the boys. We need to have space and it's okay if girls want to do things and you don't get to do things or to share the stage a little bit. So mm. that was kind of our mission. But from a personal standpoint and seeing this little boy in my arms and seeing the reaction from other people to him if he falls and he starts to cry and it's that quick reaction of like okay jump up you're fine you're fine mm -hmm. you're tough you can do this and I'm like man he just hurt himself and whether or not he was hurt a lot or he it scared him that he fell or you know just the other day actually my son slipped and hit his his mouth on the the kitchen counter and a tooth popped out oh. <laughs> I was like and he looked at us he looked he like looked at me and my husband and he was like was shocked 
shocked and it was scary because it would happen so fast. There was a big bang, the tooth flew. It was a loose tooth. It was fine. It wasn't a, but he looked at us and then like, I was like, I held him and I'm like, it's okay. You can cry. And then he let it out. And I had to keep fighting myself to be like, okay, you're done now. Like wrap it up. <laughs> you know, like I didn't ever say that to him, but I, this weird underlining that I'm still like trying to get rid of myself or trying to just remedy that, you know, we don't have to say, okay, you're a tough kid. You can manage it. And you can just like, you don't need to cry. You don't need to let out emotions. You know, mm. so it was, it's such a personal thing. And yeah, I'm really proud to be able to wear it now and to have that. And so many people have asked me about it. And, you know, yeah, it's just, it's an it's amazing piece. It's an amazing line. I feel that your book is really a call to action for men to get in touch with their feelings and to allow themselves to feel their feelings and for us to not associate weakness with mm. showing emotion. And I'm wondering if through this pandemic, you see a possibility for kind of a global <laughs> emotional retraining to take place, <laughs> like a retraining. Yeah, I'm wondering if you're hopeful. I'm very hopeful. That was why I called my book For the Love of Men, right? Not uh, What's Wrong with Men, because <laughs> I really think two things. First of all, not all men is true in the sense that the guys who say not all men usually fall into the category of men that we are talking about when we talk about quote unquote toxic masculinity, right? This idealized version of what it means to be a man. But what we're finding in the data is that not all men believe in this definition of masculinity. Not all men believe that being, you know, showing emotion makes you weak. Not all men want to be less likely to wear masks and sunscreens and get the vaccine and eat healthy and live longer, right? There are so many men who actually do not ascribe to the cult that is this idealized masculinity. And it's really interesting because there's some data about the vaccines in the United States that is really starting to show that, you know, we have this idea that men are just biologically predetermined to be more aggressive, dominant, stupid, you you name it. I get this all the time. I get it from women and I get it from men. They say men are just inferior. Men just don't know better. And what we're finding is that that is just not true. The best predictor of a man's behaviors and attitudes, the, of bad behavior and bad attitude, quote unquote, is not his biological gender. It is how he views his gender. So men who do not view themselves as very masculine, right? Men who have a more flexible view of masculinity. There's no difference in mask wearing or how likely they are to get the vaccine when we compare to women. Those got there's no gender differences, right? <laughs> Where we see the gender quote unquote difference is with men who ascribe to that definition, who, who identify as quote unquote, very masculine. Men who identify as very masculine are not only three times more likely to have contracted COVID, they're oh, also God. less likely to get the vaccine. They're less likely to wear masks and they're more likely to have gathered indoors in the past few months. So when we say men versus women, that's not true. It's men plus women mm -hmm. versus some men, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and the second thing I'll say is that we've so accepted the myth that women are the emotional gender. We've so bought into the lie that somehow 
in the world, women are the ones who don't have a grip on their emotions. When actually, when you look at every single, like the biggest dis- social disorders and the biggest social problems that we have, you know, from we were talking about school shootings and mass shootings is a perfect example. That's not because women are too emotional or women don't have a grip on their emotions. That's actually men not having a grip on their emotions and having very, very emotional reactions that are maladaptive, right? And so what I want is for us to recognize that by de facto, by being human, because we are human, we are emotional creatures. And that when we say that half of the population is allowed to be human and the other half is not, we get school shootings, we get wars, we get viruses, you know, that are completely out of control, we get dysfunction. And what emotional intelligence means is not having emotions, it's managing emotions, Mm -hmm. managing your emotions, and your inner turmoil and your emotional landscape, right? And women have been given so many opportunities and so many tools to do that. It comes back to the toys that we were given. I was given dolls. I was encouraged and rewarded to develop empathy and understand empathy. And men, boys, are discouraged from those things. And so there is no biological predetermination that makes men violent. There is no biological predetermination that makes men bad. It is the patriarchy. And we need to realize that it's been hurting women all this time, but it's also hurting men too. Yeah, 100%. What's the biggest takeaway that men tell you they've taken from the book? One of the biggest takeaways seems really basic, but the thing I hear over and over and over again, not to say that what they're saying is basic, but might come off as basic, but it's it's not, is like, I feel seen. <laughs> Right? Like, wow. like I, I can't tell you how heartened I am when men do come to me and, and tell me that where they, they're like, I was just in tears, like reading about something that I felt, but I'd never been able to necessarily put words to or that no, no one had ever really allowed me to feel or allowed me to or, you know, help me put words to, right? So that to me is so crucial. And, you know, whether it's, you know, the chapter about dating and how men see women progressing and evolving in their gender roles, and they feel stuck in this old school, traditional masculinity, and they have no idea how to resolve these issues. Or the chapter about friendships, male friendships, and how men feel so lonely, And they feel so isolated because that is required from them and that they want to connect with other men, but they're deeply, deeply afraid to do that. And they've been deeply, deeply punished for doing that because of internalized misogyny and homophobia. And again, the patriarchy. So that to me is the most beautiful feedback I can get is when men have a better understanding of how masculinity impacts them, right? Like how gender, I don't know about you two, like, well, I know you guys are both huge feminists. Like, like reading about feminist theory, reading about your gender, about gender, you know, from other women and, and having those conversations, it's so illuminating, right? To be like, oh my God, I'm not alone. Oh my God, I'm not crazy. Oh my God, I, I can choose to do things differently. And some of these things are hardwired in me because of socialization. And here are some tips, you know, to unlearn it. Like that's been so useful to me as a woman. And I want that for men. And so when men echo some of that for, for them in, in terms of what the book did, I, that makes me really, that means it was all worth it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and what about for women? What are they saying that they're taking from uh, the women, book? Yeah, tend to say that they have more empathy for men. And, and that doesn't mean, you know, having empathy for other people does not mean you stop having empathy for yourself or does not mean that, like empathy is not this like, you know, jar, you know, of like cookies. And like, if you take some and give it to others, then you have less for yourself, right? Empathy is, you know, having more empathy for other people automatically means you have more empathy for yourself and vice versa, right? So I, and I write this about, I write about this in the book that writing about masculinity and coming to this conversation with empathy towards men actually made me have a lot like better standards <laughs> and, and also like not put all of the pressure of like fixing my male partners or fixing the men around me on my plate. And that is kind of the, uh, the surprise side effect, right, of, of getting rid of, I think, a form of codependency that patriarchy has created between men and women, particularly in heterosexual relationships where, like, women are tasked with uh, the emotional labor of, of, again, helping men or fixing men or resolving the wounds of patriarchy uh, when women are the ones that have been hurt by it the most. Like, it's so <laughs> fucked up that how that, like, we just accept that as a framing. What I found the most useful is when women are able to see oh, this is the, the system that hurts me is also hurting him. It makes them, it, it actually raises their expectations and takes that off their plate. So that's been, that again, is one of the things I, I've gotten from, from, from women. And, and again, that makes me very happy because ultimately I wanted this book to not just enhance the lives of, of men, but, but also of, of the women around them. I mean, it's kind of like, that's the kind of the whole point, let's be honest. Like I want men, and I think when men are happier and when men are, are not stuck in the pyramid scheme of patriarchy, like everyone around them is, is also better off. And that's the true gift of feminism, right? Feminism is not this like selfish pursuit of privilege, right? It's this collaborative pursuit of freedom for everybody. I found it really interesting too, when I read the book, it made me relate to men more because I never thought about the fact that yeah. masculinity is something that isn't even necessary, mm. necessarily oh, yeah. attainable. And so this feeling, it's kind yeah. of like beauty standards for women, how it's just absolutely impossible to maintain. And I, yeah, I just, I had never thought about the fact that men were walking around feeling like mm. I'm supposed to be a certain way and I'm not feeling like I'm doing yeah. a good enough job. Found that um, really, thank you really for saying that. And, and, and doesn't that then, yeah, take the pressure off of you, right? That it's not your fault, right? Like this is something that he's dealing with and it's going to come out in all these different ways that might end up hurting you, but that have nothing to do with you. And that doesn't mean you tolerate it. That doesn't mean you excuse it or justify it. But to understand that it has, for me anyways, like it was so liberating because I blame myself for the way that men treated me. I made myself responsible, which again, we, you know, make women, we, we socialize women to do. So I'm glad that that was, thank you for sharing that. I'm glad that that was helpful. How did it feel to hold the book in French, uh, the French it copy? Felt, it still feels, it feels <laughs> surreal. Like I, it, the whole, even holding my, the book in English, it, it, it's just a never something, you know, I'm from Montreal. I'm from Rosemont, like little life. Like I just, you know, I, I never, ever, ever, ever in my wildest dreams could have dreamed up writing a book and, you know, collaborating on a jewelry collection with two badass <laughs> feminists and talking to you, Angelique, like on a podcast. Like this is all, it's still 
I never, I hope it never becomes normal because that means I can just (laughs) always appreciate it. But yeah, I just feel so grateful. And, and I feel so grateful that it resonates with people, you know, and, and that people, it's like what Linda and Alice, you took it and then you created art from it. And it, it takes another form. And Angelique, you're, you know, talking about it and thinking about it and you're talking about it in your podcast, right? You're talking about it in your writing. Like, that's my favorite thing. I could cry. That's just like, I love seeing what we all make together as a collective with these conversations. That's so beautiful. Liz, I would love to know how you define empathy, because I think sometimes it can get wrapped up with sympathy. So are you Mm. able to do kind of a quick definition of what you think empathy is and then tell us about the jewelry? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll let Linda. Yeah. Take it. Uh, (laughs) Empathy is different from sympathy. Yes. Sympathy is sort of understanding or I guess listening to someone's pain. And empathy is this ability to actually feel someone else's pain. And and by that, I don't mean it in a way that's codependent or, or that's like, well, I'm taking this on and it's, it's my responsibility, right? We're all responsible for our emotions. And that's actually like the most important principle of emotional intelligence, right? Is how do I have empathy for someone else's pain without making it my pain or without blurring the lines between because I did that for years, by the way, that's, that was my (laughs) MO. Like, so, and I'm still, I'm learning some of that. Like, that's what I thought love was, right. I thought, well, my, you know, the way that I love is you fix other people. Uh, and like, that's not love. (laughs) Um, that's not how that works. Um, but so empathy is, I think just the ability that someone can be totally different from you, can be a different race, can be a different gender, can have a different life story, can have a different perspective, can be from a completely different walk of life. But having empathy for the pain that they feel, I think is at the root of of social justice and and human rights work and also individual happiness. So empathy is everything. And empathy is, again, something we've associated as like a feminine characteristic, quote unquote, when empathy is something we all, oh my God, like we're hardwired for it. We're hard wired to like to read other people's emotions to make sure that we're that we're safe and that they understand ours like that is you know to numb ourselves from that is to numb ourselves from being human Mm, that's beautiful yeah so maybe you can tell us about the rest of the collection that's coming out for the the empathy part of the collection it was the natural step from the let boys cry line as Liz said feel your feelings and I find that like understanding your feelings then you can actually put yourself into someone else's shoes and understand their feelings a little bit so the the empathy pieces that we did as I mentioned before they're bilingual because empathy in English and French is very close so we Mm. did something really fun with a very amazing happy face we made this beautiful it's like a sovereign ring so it's got a a round a beautiful comfortable round piece on the top and we've got both languages there and we did it in a necklace as well both pieces are available in sterling silver and gold vermeil and I think it's going to hit people differently I think it's such a fun piece it looks fun and it, it also just hits the empathy as if we just need more of it. I think it, it'll sharing that and talking about it more will allow to just chill out a little bit. Yeah, mm. definitely. Final words then from you, Liz, on what you want people to know about this empathy jewelry and and maybe what you want it to prompt them to feel or think. What I imagined when when we were, you know, sort of developing the collection was again what I needed, which is looking at the mirror right and 
being reminded to have empathy. And empathy starts with you, right? The people who have the most empathy for other people are the people who have the most empathy for themselves, right? I think that's one of the, mis- again, the misunderstandings mm-hmm. of my codependency that I had to unlearn is being self-sacrificial, right? Or putting your needs or, or not having empathy for yourself so that you can have more empathy for everyone else is not how that works. It starts with empathy for yourself and then it just comes naturally and you just have more in that cookie jar, that empathy cookie jar, if we are to use that metaphor, uh, to give away to others. So yeah, it's really simple. I just wanted that reminder on, you know, right above your heart on your chest, if it's the necklace or on your hand, because we're typing all day, we're, you know, we're using our hands and to look down and just be reminded, have empathy, have empathy for yourself, have empathy for the person on the other side of the screen, have empathy for the person you may never meet. Yeah, just that as a guiding principle in life just felt like a cool, it just is a cool reminder, right? It's like, I'm, I'm not into tattoos. I'm too neurotic. So for me, it's like, this is the way instead of getting an empathy tattoo, I'm, I can do an empathy ring and necklace and it's and I don't have to have 17 panic attacks about it. <laughs> Amazing. So I have one more question for each person. Liz, In your podcast, you did the five stages of grief, but you also mentioned that there is a sixth, which is meaning. Mm. And I'm wondering if each of us can maybe share, are you getting any meaning out of the quarantine experience and from this whole past year? Is there any meaning that you've taken from it um, that you'd like to share? Take a minute. She's good. You should be a host. I know, right? I get it. You should do this. You should have a podcast. Um, Yeah, that's a great question. I'll go last because I've I've talked a lot. Oh, it's all good. I'm like sitting back like I'm listening to like your podcast and I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to contribute as well. Um, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not just listening to this. Um, So overall in this whole last year, I don't know, some things that have come up for me is, well, as you were speaking, Liz, like empathy for yourself is so huge. I'm really hard on myself. I have really high expectations. I, I you know, I, I imagine my life in a certain way and I wanted to get there and I'm really goal oriented. And then I'm like, oh yeah, there's a pandemic and I can be gentle with myself. I can have empathy for myself. And then also it's just, it's trust. And it's, again, it's a bit more reflective. It's a bit more personal, but it's trust. We're spending a lot of time alone or, you know, with our little bubble. Like I've been in my, in my house for a long time with, with my immediate family and it's wonderful, but it's like, man, you can get in your head a lot. And to just kind of come out and trust that I'm going to be okay. Trust the baby steps that I am taking towards those goals. Trust that they will work out in the end and just trying to be kind and trying to embrace the time now and just kind of letting it go and it's, it's all going to come back in the end again we're back to the cheese I think embrace the cheese oh boy Alice sorry do you mind repeating just I did hear the question but just give me just like the last part of the question again and sorry no I, problem yeah. Liz did a beautiful podcast each episode was a stage of grief there are five stages and then right. one of the authors that she quotes actually mentions there's a sixth stage which is meaning and I'm wondering if you've pulled any meaning out of the last year of Mm -hmm. our lives that you'd like to share Mm -hmm. well I I think the relevance to grief is huge and particularly this year because there has been so much death and illness and things that have really had to be confronted I know personally that there are a few people that I've known that have died this year from COVID or something COVID related I'm so sorry no I I mean I think 
you know, it's probably the same for many, many, many people. Um, yes. And so I think, you know, this year people have, more people have had to confront the element of grief and then find some meaning through that than perhaps normally would for any people that wouldn't normally sort of have that train of thought. So I think the, the link is particularly relevant this year and then finding that meaning. And I mean, for me, I think a theme that has certainly come up a lot in this year has been the theme of connection and finding connection and the importance of that. And I think with people on the whole, humans are very used to having interaction and connection and living busy lives and seeing many people. And I think so many people have been taken out of that milieu where they're not with with others. And so the connection is completely different or perhaps you're having to find a connection that's more profound, that's on a different level to just day-to-day interactions. Uh, And so I think for me, you know, there's been a lot of reflection about that idea and, and, and how I connect with people and how important that is for me and certainly for my own sort of well-being and mental health and all of those things. I think it's one of the most important things is connections and how much better I, I am personally when I'm able to have conversations with people or have a link with someone. Or And it doesn't have to be face-to-face. It, you know, it can be conversations. It can be a podcast. You know, it's, it's amazing to have a sort of space where we can share. So I think that idea of being able to find really meaningful connections so not necessarily seeing people every day in an office or you know going out to lunch in a food court or whatever it is and seeing hundreds of people around you because you can feel incredibly lonely Mm. when you do that but actually finding a way that you can connect with people that is important and I think the question of grief also highlights that for me because I think at the end of the day you know those are the things that matter and and you know I think perhaps you know, when probably, you know, when you look back on life, you know, you really value the connections you make with people uh, over probably most other things. So I, I think just to keep working on that for me is is, is very important. Mm. Wow. Hope, hope wow. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I like, I don't know. I, I feel like, are we just all, are we all soulmates like are we all just having the same experience I just I feel like that's yeah it's it's everything I've been thinking about too you know I I think one thing that I didn't expect was that how connecting with myself would allow me to connect more deeply with others and how little I was connecting with myself before and um how much time I spent running away from myself and that even when I thought I was connecting with myself, I was actually numbing myself. And, and so now I've just been having like a lot of conversations, um, not just with my plants um, and my snacks. <laughs> those, those are, are great. Those are it's so a little rude when they answer back, uh, but uh, I don't know, I've been getting used to that. But um, yeah, it's been very interesting. I've, I've been, you know, cause yeah, you don't have as much touch or you don't have as much. And I've just been like holding my own hand, like weirdly, like I'll go to bed and you know, I have a lot of insomnia and I'm sort of, I've always had insomnia for basically my whole life. And I'll just, sometimes I'm, I'm lying on my side and I'll just like 
put my left hand into my right hand and hold it in, you know, and sort of cross those fingers together as if I was holding hands with someone. And it sounds sad, but it's actually like, it's like I can hold my own hands. And, uh, and apparently there's a, a psychosomatic thing of when your left part of your body touches the right part of your body, even if it's your feet crossing together, or again, you putting those hands together, there's something that happens and I will butcher it. It's probably not that your left brain and your right brain are, you know, joining together, but there, there is a psychosomatic calming of the nervous system. So, and I started doing that for that purpose. And then I was like, oh no, there's like something here. Like, why don't I ever hold my own hand? Why do I, you know, I, I can caress my myself and I can be kind with myself in the way that someone else could be. And it's great to get that from someone else, but it's also important to, to get that from yourself. So, so yeah, I think spending a lot of alone mm. time, you realize, oh, wow, I love connecting with other people and I need that in my life. But, um, but it also, yeah, it starts with you. I love that. <laughs> this was Thank amazing. You. Such Thank great you. questions. Thank you all so much for being here and, and sharing all of this and a huge congratulations on this amazing collaboration and putting the important words out thank there. You. So thank you ladies <laughs> for clarifying what it means to all of you. And thank you for sharing private things about how you're getting through and hang in there. Thank everybody. you. Thank Thanks, you so Lee. much. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I always get so inspired when I talk to other creatives about what they're working on and their process. I could listen to Liz Plank talk about gender all day long. I just love her energy. I love her insights. I love her fearless ability to share what she's feeling and what she's going through. It just excites me in general. And I love when women get together and create beautiful things that mean so much to them. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you'll join me next time. Have a great day.